Welcome to the Racially Responsible Podcast, a show designed to call in, support, and provide loving accountability for white women and anti-racism work. If you have ever questioned your role and approach in this work or wondered how you can create an impact for racial equity and justice, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Rory Geller Muhammad, a white woman doing this work alongside you in real time with my family, local community, and institutions that I'm connected to. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker, the creator of the Changemakers program, and deeply committed to working for a safe, loving, and inclusive world. I'm so glad you're listening and joining me on this journey. Here we go. Hey friends, I have a surprise for you before you dig into this episode. Not only is this our first episode of 2022, but I'm also interviewing the CEO of an organization that I am now working for and part of the team of. So I interview on in this episode, Antonetta Mosley, the CEO of I Follow the Leader. At the time, I was not working at the organization, and now I am a DEI leader with I Follow the Leader. So I am very excited for you to listen to this interview. You will hear <laughs> from the interview. I did not know as much, of course, at the time. This was before um, I became part of the team there. So just to give you some context of when this interview took place versus when you're listening to it. But I do just have to throw out there that if you are part of an organization or a company that is looking for to partner with an organization that is specializing in DEI work, definitely check out I Follow the Leader. It is an awesome place. And yes, I'm biased because I'm working there. Don't, but don't worry, I'm not giving up the other work at U Power Change. All of those things are still happening. We still are having the Change Makers program. Um, and still doing all of our work there. So dig in, listen to this interview, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, friends. I am very excited today to introduce Antonetta Mosley. Antonetta is the CEO and principal leader at I Follow the Leader, a strategic consulting firm specializing in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy, initiatives, and education. I Follow the Leader was launched in 2016 to heighten awareness and readiness of DEI initiatives within companies. Antonetta and her team partner with organizations to move them along the diversity continuum, improve their overall culture, and increase profitability, creativity, and, in and innovation. Antonetta is based in Durham, North Carolina. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you. So excited to be here with you. Yeah, so welcome, welcome, and really excited for the amazing work that you are doing. I would love for us to start, um, before we even really get into all of the work you're doing now, talk a little bit to like how you started um, I Follow the Leader, how, why it started, how about the backstory? Yeah, so the backstory really came um, a little over five years ago now, and it really was through my graduate school thesis. So um, I decided to write about overcoming barriers in the nonprofit field. And so really interviewed CEOs in where I was at the time, which was in Michigan, and just had so much fun doing that and talking to CEOs that I also interviewed CEOs from where I'm from, which is Atlanta. And really wanted to see, right? I was in a small town in Michigan. Atlanta is very different, large city, very metropolitan. So when I talk to these CEOs, is the DEI and nonprofit landscape going to look different? 
And what I found is regardless of who I talked to, CEOs really wanted to do more around DEI. A lot didn't know what do I do next? How do I begin? And so really did a lot of research and realized, wow, this is really a space where people need help with how to bring in more diverse talent, more diverse leadership on boards, uh, and how to really keep DEI at the center of, of cultures. That's awesome. Really finding, you know, seeing that gap and then really just being able to go and solve it. That's amazing. Yeah, really awesome. it was, it was, it was fun. A lot of research, <laughs> um, but, but I think something that we still need today. Yeah, definitely. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the process, right? Like the work that your organization does and then sort of when you're connected with an organization, with connected with a company organization, what that sort of looks like to kind of walk us through that experience. Of course. Yeah, it's really important for us. I know this is no surprise probably to those listening, but there's a lot of performative DEI work happening right now. And that is just not who I follow the leader is, right? Uh, Our mission and vision is really ensuring that workplaces set up themselves so that leaders and change agents across the globe can really thrive. And so we believe that every member of the global workforce should be able to feel a sense of belonging and have equal opportunity to lead, thrive, and grow. And so that's really where we start is making sure that partnerships are synergetic. And so that's really where we start is making sure that we're really honest and transparent about our mission, vision, values, and how we go about the work. And then we really expect the same in return so that the organizations, corporations, et cetera, that we're partnering with are really clear on what their goals are and that it's not performative, but really to help each employee feel that sense of belonging. And of course, all of the great benefits that come with it, the innovation, the increased profits, et cetera. Uh, So I think that's really where we start being honest about this is who I follow the leader is. This is the work that we do. And then over the years, we've really developed a system that we have seen work um, within different organizations. And that's really starting with a cultural audit for the long-term strategy work and then developing the strategy only once that audit is is complete. So that's how a lot of our long-term partnerships work and we do training, et cetera, as well. Um, But either way, really starting with that transparency on on who we are and, and learning more about our potential client. That's really awesome. I love, you know, kind of what you said about the importance of that synergetic partnership, right? And, you know, the importance of that um, being reflected as well as it not be, like we do see so much performative work and so making sure that it's actual real change happening, which is so important. And, you know, I really appreciate, you know, you pointing that out and bringing attention to that. What are some of the most common challenges that um, CEOs, organizations are coming to you with? Yeah, I think a lot of the most common challenges are a lot of organizations started this work within the last two years. And so really well-meaning, we need to do more. Our employees are charging us to do more, but they didn't really, most of them have the background in DEI. So I think 
what we're seeing the most is just well-meaning people and organizations who don't actually have expertise in DEI. And so typically it looks a lot of different ways, but when our firm comes in, it's trying to level set. Um, okay, so this is great what you've done. Let us help you provide recommendations on how to move forward. A lot of people also have DEI groups they've set up. And a lot of them aren't set up in a way that we think will lead to long-term success and sustainability. And so a lot of what we're doing is education, right? These are the best practices. This is what we've seen really work to try to help organizations get to that place where they can make sustainable action steps and forward. You know, I, I hear so strongly that part that you're saying where like, organizations that do have maybe DEI groups or committees or something. And often, you know, there's people on those committees and you feel very frustrated and there's sort of tension. How does your, like, what advice, I guess, do you have maybe for people that are part of those committees or trying to start one and are feeling frustrated within their organization? Yeah. So we, we really encourage people to take a step back, right? So DEI is often thought of just as a strategic priority in practice, and I'm putting my fingers in quotes, right? So a lot of organizations say, yes, DEI is a strategic priority. But then when we compare DEI to IT, marketing, et cetera, and say, okay, what are your budgets in those areas, um, you know, can, can I just come in and help write with marketing? Most companies would be like, no, right? If, if an employee said, I want to help with marketing, they'd be like, that's great. Uh, no, thank you. But when it comes to DEI, everyone thinks of it really differently. And so trying to get people to remember if DEI is a strategic priority, let's treat it like you treat marketing or IT or any other initiative or department. And so to do that, to take that step back, most companies then realize, oh, we actually don't have the expertise or knowledge we need to move forward. And so that's where we see a lot of people go, wait, we actually do need DEI experts to help us get on the right track. So I think that's what a lot of people realize um, if they really want DEI to be a strategic priority that they do need outside expertise. Or of course, a lot of people are hiring internally and there I just caution, right? Again, thinking of it like any other leadership role, would you bring someone to head up marketing because they were a good person, right? And liked marketing or would they have to have certain skills, knowledge and, knowledge and abilities to take on that head marketing role. I, so I'm so glad you actually spoke to that because I was actually going to ask you a question about that around hiring internally to take something on versus hiring an outside organization. And I could see like pros and cons and differences depending yes. also where the organization is in the process. Um, I guess any, any additional kind of thoughts around that, like pros and cons or how, how organizations can navigate that decision? Yeah, what I've seen is so many people, um, and, and I like to be transparent, I've seen so many companies hiring a Black person 
or someone that's Latina to take on the role or Asian because they may be diverse, right? And so, wow, we've now added someone to our leadership um, who is this diverse candidate. However, again, if they don't have experience in human resources in DEI, if they haven't walked that walk before, it really is setting them up for failure. Um, and the turnover right now for DEI director roles is astronomical. And you're talking about from some of the best and brightest in the business. And I think that's because there are these unrealistic expectations. Um, people aren't getting the support they need. And so what I would recommend is if organizations are really looking for help and they're looking to put someone in a role internally, also making right the first six months of that really shouldn't be any work if this person hasn't done DEI before. It should really be training education, skill sets, talking to others in the industry. Uh, and so I think that's a mistake, unfortunately, a lot of organizations are making. Um, or, you know, we have some organizations that have a lead and still come to us, right? So those organizations are actually, you know, aware that this one person cannot change the whole organization. So I think if you're, if you're going to do it internally or even higher in, making sure that you have resources for that lead to really be successful. Yeah, I think that's such an important piece of, right, like that may one person, like even there is a position that it's, they may not be able to do every single thing and change oh. the whole thing. And so I hear we're just like, people are coming, even if they have hired someone and that could, that it, it is important to have the additional support. And yeah, so I, I, there, I, I'm, a lot of organizations, I think, are dealing with that. And so I really appreciate, you know, you speaking to that, um, speaking to that specifically. Of course. Another question I wanted to um, talk to you about is when, after your organization has worked with a company or um, organization, what, um, what are some of the changes, some of the outcomes you see on the other side? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I posted something yesterday on LinkedIn that was really just beautiful moment uh, for me. We really helped an organization with their strategy plan. So really went through that whole process. They now have a DEI action plan. They have a DEI statement. And we did our first quarterly check-in call. So really important to us that we're not leaving those that we help stranded um, because really for the first time, having a DEI action plan is really difficult. So we keep doing quarterly check-in calls over that next year. And we just had that check-in call with the organization and they had add, added the DEI statement to their website, which may seem small, but it's just really important because anyone, whether it's a, stake, a stakeholder such as a volunteer, a potential board member, potential staff member, a donor, when they go to their about page now, they see that DEI statement with their mission. And I just think that's so important. Uh, this is a nonprofit, so really special. And then what I put in my LinkedIn post was, and it's not performative, right? We've worked with this organization. They're actually living out their DEI strategy. 
And so I think that's what's so beautiful to see because I know, right, this wasn't just a checkbox for them now. Okay. They, they had that strategy and they're actually living it out in a way that internal and external stakeholders can see, wow, they're, they're walking the walk. Uh-huh. That, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's very uplifting because I think sometimes we don't always hear sort of the positive, like what are the outcomes? What's happening? Where is the change? <laughs> yes. It's often to kind of get caught up in the negative. So it's awesome to kind of hear, hear those things happening. That's really exciting. How, so this one's kind of shifting a little bit more to sort of your personal um, like role in things. How has or has your, your upbringing, your identity kind of played a role in your work or you're coming to this and the way things work for you? Yeah, I think it's it's had a major impact. So even me choosing the topic in grad school came from a conversation in a leadership class. And we actually, uh, my professor was from England, white male. And at some point we got into a discussion of how we were only reading from white males, which right was was very common my entire life other than when I had a black uh, language arts and then AP lit teacher same person and she really changed my life like that's where I fell in love with Maya Angelou um, and other black authors and was like wow I can see someone who looks like me um, who is successful and I actually get to learn about them in school not only me but right people who don't look like me got to have that unique perspective. And so in that grad school class, I thought, wow. So from, you know, pre-K to now grad school, there's only a few times I've been assigned reading from someone who looks like me. And I'm in a leadership class, right? With goals to be this nonprofit leader at the time. And I'm reading nothing from anyone who looks like me. So I think that really shaped me, right? Growing up, I'm an 80s baby, growing up where there weren't Barbies who looked like me. There was one, right? There was one Black girl. Um, I remember her name was Stacy, And so I really liked dolls. And so it was really hard to go, wow, okay. There's a lot of different shades, but only one looks like me. So I think it's had a really important part you know, really important to my work is growing up as a Black girl, um, born in Atlanta, Georgia, but grew up in the suburbs, right, was often the only person in my classes of color, very difficult. Um, I remember reading To Kill a Mockingbird in the honors class, being the only Black person, not wanting to go to class, very uncomfortable. The teacher had no awareness (laughs) That, that it was uncomfortable for me or that maybe it w- wouldn't be appropriate. And so, yeah, has had a major impact on how I see the world and also just the firm, right? So our tagline when we first started with our blog was where those of a different feather can flock together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's why I love the work that you do, right? <laughs> uh, just sharing diverse stories and perspectives and also realizing, right, diversity isn't just race or gender, right. um, but thinking about cultures and, and religions and disabilities. And so, yeah, it's had a major part in, in who I am today. And I continue to think about, right, you know, eight-year-old me and even 
30 year old me in, in a grad school class going, wow, this is, this is still happening. Yeah. Yeah. I know we've had this conversation before about how the work that you're, that's happening now with your organization is in a position. So it's preventing hope, right? The goal is it's preventing all of those things from happening to anybody else, right? In the future. And I think that's such, you know, so impactful, so amazing to be able to, you know, have that kind of impact of change. Thank you. Yeah. Kudos to you too. And I, I love that preventative, right? Like how can we prevent some of these things? How can we ensure that, right? People feel that sense of belonging before there's harassment issues or claims to the EEOC. How can people just walk into organizations and go, wow, all I felt is belonging here. Or when the conflict came up, I knew what to do, who to talk to, and it was resolved, you know? Yes, no, exactly. Definitely. So the next question that I, I was curious to hear your experience um, is around the idea of, I think, self, right, self-doubt is a right, normal human emotion, I think, comes up for everybody in any kind of work. But I feel like when doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work, right, there are aspects, and, and I'm curious how, if and how, there's been moments that it showed up for you, Um and maybe even earlier, like in start, like starting out earlier in this um, and sort of what, how you navigated that. Yeah, I'll, I'll just be honest, right? It's right now. Um, it's, <laughs> I have a sticky note and it says on my board, how can I be unapologetically authentic today? Right. And so that's really something I've tried to stay true to this year because that doubt does come in. Um, this work, you experience a lot of opposition, even by those who think they wanted to do the work. When you actually start digging in, um, unfortunately, when you get some of those survey results back and employees are not as happy as leaders thought, often instead of, okay, what do we do to fix this? And it's a natural human emotion, but some leaders go, no, right? This is not the <laughs> truth. I want to stay away from this. This is bringing up too much stuff. And so I, in those moments, right, it can be easy. And sometimes your mind wants to go to the doubt, like, did we do this right? Am I doing this right? Uh, am I really an expert? Right? Am I really a leader in this space? And you know, I really love quotes. And so going back to even that unapologetic authenticity is, wait, no, we've done the process in the way that we've outlined. I can be happy, right, with what our team has done. And so we're all going to have to sit in this uncomfortability. Yeah, I, I, I thank you for sharing that. And, and I love you pointing that out. And specifically, I know one of the things that often comes up with around right? White people doing anti-racism work in a leadership, right? Like, and what is, what is anti-racism leadership for white people, right? What does that look yep. like? And I know that's a big yep. space. And I know one of the common things is self-doubt. And I think often one of the misconceptions that white people think it's only us having these thoughts that we, about, about the self-doubt yeah. around it. And yeah. yes, of course, you know, staying where, it, where do we need to stay? And we do need to be con very conscious about not messing up and being intentional, right, with all of those things, but also the, just the layer of it is also normal to feel some of that in this, this uncomfortability in that, in that space. 
Yes, I love that, right? And the word healing, that everything that's said on, on either side or within workplaces isn't going to be comfortable, but can you hold space for people to be, right, unapologetically authentic? Of course, you're not doing it in some forceful way. You're doing it a, in a kind and sincere way, really, with the goal to move forward. Um, but most of us aren't taught to do that right we're, we're yeah. not really taught in school to have uncomfortable conversations and to work through things you may especially as a woman just be taught apologize right just make it right yeah. and so I often have to sit in that uncomfortability and go right okay if I have a child one day how do I want them to advocate for themselves and what does that look like and am I modeling, right? I have nieces and nephews. If, if my niece or nephew was sitting here watching this, like, am I modeling behavior that, that I would be proud of? Yes. I love that being in like that role model position. Yeah. Yes. What about for you? Have you had um, like mentors or coaches or anyone that like guidance that sort of has helped you or, you know, in that process of feeling like, yes, this is, I feel more confident in it or, you know, or anything like that or just, sort of um, reminding you that, yes, this is what you're meant to be, you know, doing in that way. Yeah, I think I've, I've gotten lucky, especially in the last few years, to be able to partner with other DEI leaders in the space who are older than me, who have been doing it longer, and they've really helped me just by watching them and also having conversations have been really instrumental to go, oh, you can say that in a meeting, right? <laughs> that, okay, well, this isn't going to work if you do it that way, right? Um, or even just brainstorming and, and thinking through, how do I handle this? Or even sharing, this is how I handled it, you know, is that right? Or um, So I think that's been really helpful to have those people I can talk to, but also I, I love to read. Um, I love leadership books. And so, right, in the last five years, there have been a lot more leaders of color who have written books, uh, who are sharing on, on podcasts and through social media. And so that's been really fun for me um, to learn that way as well. Awesome. Very awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So, Another question, um, I know this is something I feel like is hard and for many of us struggle with, um, how do you maintain, right, this hope for change, right, this attitude, especially, you know, you're doing this work all the time, right, um, even when it's hard in the face of such inequity and injustice, how do you keep pushing forward, how do you keep the, the hope alive? Yeah, I think it's by really staying focused on the overall vision of the organization and our values, right? And so if it was just for me, or if it was just for my family, or is just for my community, I don't think I could do it. But really having that overarching vision of, okay, the global workforce, right? So <laughs> that that is really big. It's not yeah. just the people I know feeling a sense of belonging or the people at our firm. And I think that overarching vision really keeps me going. Um, I think the beautiful things and having gratitude for those Often you have to force yourself, right? Let me make a gratitude list. 
Um, and doing that really brings you back to, I, I truly believe there are more people who want right, to have a diverse, equitable, and inclusive world than those who don't. And so realizing a lot of people just aren't educated yet. And so that's a goal for our firm. How can we educate more people so that they can jump on that bandwagon of of really wanting to to change the world? So I think those are things that, that really help me. And then thinking about transformative outcomes. And so wow, what does that look like if we can transform change agents, leaders, and, and organizations? So that that really keeps me going. And for me, my, my faith is important. So believing that this is part of my purpose on this earth. And so when it gets hard, uh, still feeling like, okay, I, I need to keep going because this is part of the reason why, why I'm here in this point in time in right 2021, 2022. This is why I'm, I'm here. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And, you know, thank you for all of the, you know, the important work, the amazing work that you are doing, the organization is doing. That's awesome. Before we finish, I would love for you just to share how leader, how um, listeners can connect with you, um, support the work that you're doing. And I know, of course, I'll post all the links as well. Awesome. Yeah. So right now we're, we're really focused on just helping organizations move forward. One of our fun taglines right now is don't DIY your DEI. And so if you resonate with that or, or want education and resources, people can go to ifollowtheleader.com. That is our website and links to a lot of great things such as a DEI quiz, resources, conversations so that people can watch courageous conversations and and leadership conversations. And then from there at the bottom, you can also subscribe. You can also follow our other social channels, which are all connected to uh, I Follow the Leader. Thank you so much, Antonetta. This has been so wonderful to have you on today. Thank you. I really appreciate the invite and the work that you're doing. And so really encourage those, uh, everyone who's listening to listen to other podcasts of yours. I think the work that you're doing is great, not only on the podcast, but in the world. And so really appreciate you sharing this, this space with me today. Thank you so much. Now it's time for you to reflect decide what your next steps are, and start taking action. For additional support, join our mailing list and be the first to get access to new resources, workshops, and upcoming events. The link is in the show notes. Until next time.